All right, everybody, here's a deal. I had a really stupid joke slotted in here the first time around, and I lost the audio. I am sorry I apologize, but we're going to do this. We're going to do it the right way. I'm getting over a cold, so I'm sorry if I sound, uh, you know, my voice sounds terrible this week. And, um, yeah, screw it. Let's get, let's get started with this party. Get back on track. Get this show out to you. I know how Sing Sign gets when there's nothing to listen to over the weekend, even though most people listen to this on Monday. Having said that, I'm going to ask you, can I kick it? Yes, you can. You're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Pop a beer and throw an earbud in your ear. Now, here's your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Yeah. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Um, so I'm familiar with the long hours and the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Um, all right, technically all chaps are assless, right? Or else yeah. you just Tec- be left pants. I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. The more I talk it, the more my bike messes up. My wife's like, you're 41 and started a race career. I'm like, yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah. Yes, I am guest number 632 on Creative Writing Podcast, and I have been programmed to uh, answer all questions perfectly. As big as motorcycle industry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate, on an actual Confederate in the flesh. Even fewer have ridden them. Did you get to do that, Dave? Did you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's actually in a movie. I thought it was a good book. I, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. All right, well, now you know, now what, you know what you're in, in for. for. I do this show with no clothes on. And I do do this show with clothes on. That was recorded in earlier months or different months when it was a little bit hotter was not wearing some clothes for the shows. But you know what? I am now. I know summertime's almost here, and it's been like 80 degrees, but I am wearing more clothes because that's still kind of cold for me. All right, everybody. So tonight on the show, a little warning. It gets a little vulgar later. little locker room talk, as they say. And uh, before I get into that, I want to tell you that it's going to be a technosode. We have a guest on tonight who I don't even know how to humanly quantify the amount of knowledge and the type of knowledge that this person has. So you can take from it what you will. I say that because we start off, we go off in different directions from what I thought we were going to head into. That's for sure. 
And uh, just want to make sure that you guys are up for the challenge of understanding the type of information that this individual divulges to you. So keep that in mind. Also, uh, before we get into too much of the technosode, we, we had a lot of off-air conversations. We had uh, conversations about the future of motorcycling and the people that are taking over. And, you know, there, there are like vestiges of the chopper culture that are hanging on to those last little bits. But pretty soon there are going to be stuff like all electric motorcycles and a hell of a lot more electronics than you're accustomed to. <laughs> Excuse me, I am dealing with the cold. So we got into this great conversation about millennials in general and how they always get a bad rap for, you know, expecting everything to be owed to them, expecting a lot of free stuff. You know, will you sponsor me for this? Will you give me free stuff so that I can talk about you and still do my thing? But there are also a lot of things that millennials interact with on the daily, all the social apps that they're you know, responsible for as a generation, and all video games. We were talking about how everybody and their mom plays video games. Now, if you're like 7 to 25 and you're living in, at your parents' house, you're probably playing video games. And all these apps, all these video games, things like that, they actually... They're the base. And then if you want to get anywhere, there's tons of downloadable content that you have to subscribe to. And there's other payment things that you have to, other payment bases and things that you have to start tapping into. So we kind of made that analogy to the millennial generation being motorcycle builders. And we talked about it, uh, you know, basically in reference to video games here at first, but it kind of struck me. That maybe that's the future of motorcycling, and let's we'll hear a little bit of banter right now about our uh, video game analogy right here. Yeah, you know, I always imagine because it's so expensive. Like, if you look through the menus, you could spend like thousands of dollars on this crap, like bubble bobble whatever on your phone to to get the special stuff. And I imagine there are like these rich kids that just have so much money and they just decide you know i'm just gonna pump that into this worthless game that i'm gonna get tired of as soon as i get all the awesome stuff you know yeah either that or they are kids that have a lot of money but they don't have like a car or any other good investments like in two years they'll be like dude why did i I blew all that money on that game (laughs) <laughs> I could have had a car and a girlfriend. Yeah, that's the sad that's the sad way to look at it. It's like the people that get really hooked on the game and then they dump their dump what money they have into it. I mean yeah. they could be buying pot with that or something. Oh dude, for real. They're living in their grandma's basement. So there you have it, just a little snapshot of a conversation we had talking about millennials, and maybe they don't expect everything for free. Maybe they expect a base for free, and then they know there's going to be, you know, payment levels and steps in order to advance uh, from there on out. So I think a video game is a very good analogy to make toward buying a motorcycle and customizing it, and that led us to another conversation we had about, well, and you know to customize a motorcycle in the future you're going to need to know everything about electronics you know you're going to need to know this and that and we kind of figured out that you know millennials also do something else really well they don't give a rats about the past they kind of look at what's put in front of them whether it is an app or a video game or a motorcycle and they kind of roll with what's there and they 
plonk in new stuff or they learn how to, you know, adapt to new technology immediately because that's all they know. They were born after the internet and they were born after, you know, apps and stuff like that. So all they know is how to interact with new data quickly. And that's also talked about here. Yeah, I haven't played a video game in so long that I'm, I don't think I know how to load. Do you still have to blow in the cartridges when you put them in? Well, listen, do you remember when we used to play Red Dead? Oh, Jesus. Like, fucking till four in the morning. Well, I mean, like, every once in a while we would go online, not just with us, but with, like, a bunch of online idiots. Yeah. And they were always, like, these 12-year-olds that just cussed and sweared at each other, and that's pretty much... Oh, but they they were, like, really good, though. Like, they had every single power-up and all that shit. Yeah, one shot, one... Yeah, we couldn't... We didn't stand a chance. Well... Uh, I swore I'd never do that again, and then I started playing um, this Call of Duty game because my neighbor friend has it, and then my other neighbor friend got it, and so now we all get on there and just get beat up by 12-year-olds. And there you go. That's basically sums up MotoGP in one sentence. We get on there, and we all get beat up by 12-year-olds. That's because the old guys have learned how to deal with the physicality and have to learn how to deal with these mechanical inputs and this and that, where young kids just come in, and they start playing around with what's thrown down in front of them. So that's the sort of stuff we we talked about off-topic in our technosode. Uh, some other stuff coming up. I got a report here from uh, field editor uh, Bry Viffer. He had another call in so we're going to go ahead and we're going to air that here and also there's a couple other things i want to talk about in the technosode that are upcoming events and i really got to do my best to edit this thing out or else it's going to be like five hours long so i'm going to be doing all that and more but before we get there i do want to talk about uh you know get brian viffer's audio in here and then throw down a couple things that are happening in the near near future so that you don't miss out on motorcycling in your area and if you have any other questions for the Technosode, feel free to keep emailing them in, baby, because we're going to keep on pushing this and more throughout the year. So let's take it away and give it the bacon to Bri Viffer. Mr. Producer, I wanted to let you know that I plan on going to the Hippie Killer Hoedown on the 22nd. I leave for my next trip uh, this coming weekend. I'll be back on Saturday. I plan on going straight from LAX straight to Paris. I get in about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Hopefully I'll be at the the fairgrounds by about 3.30 or so. So that is the plan. The other thing I wanted to tell you about was my last trip, the dirt bike trip that I took with the family. We decided to go to California City. Uh, If you remember, I I mentioned when I was at the Munich airport, right after I sent in the thing for a solstice slam, I had met uh, Fabio, and he was there talking to this other guy, uh, this guy Norm. And Norm lives in California City, and so we were all talking about dirt biking and whatnot. And um, Norm had said that that California City is a very OHV-friendly place, and access to uh to jawbone canyon and a couple other riding areas so 
we decided to uh, take him up on his offer to, to come up there and, and ride around. Uh, Norm is, is a really great guy. He, uh, he owns a, a, a motorcycle, uh, uh, an airplane dismantling and repair um, business up in California City. And now California City on paper does not seem like a place that you would go visit. Um, has like a 25% unemployment and you ride up and down the street and you see boarded up homes and businesses and um, does not look to be in the best shape. However, once we got there, uh, we stayed at the Best Western, which is like the only hotel in the town. Everyone is, is absolutely the nicest people to meet. The food is some of the best we've ever had. We went to a restaurant called Gloria's Mexican Restaurant, and it was probably some of the best Mexican food we've had in, in years. And uh, again, it's a very OHV-friendly town. There's a lot of dirt roads that go around town that you can ride around on your uh, green sticker or red sticker bike. Uh, and then there's a lot of trails that lead off from the from Cal City. We rode, it was about 15 miles, we rode dirt roads all the way from California City up to Jawbone Canyon and stopped at the Jawbone General Store, had, uh, had a bite to eat there, and then rode 15 miles back, rode along the railroad tracks and had a big freight train go by while we were riding along. It was, it was really, really neat. It was a great place to go, a great place to spend the day with, with the family. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, and then I mentioned before my, my younger son, who's not really into dirt biking, uh, he's never been on a dirt bike with a clutch before. He had a TTR90 and a KLX110. Both of those are just three-speed, um, no, no clutch bikes. So before we took off, I gave him like a 20-minute lesson on the clutch. And, uh, he's, uh, he rode the XR80 this time. And uh, he, he got the hang of starting in, in a few minutes and, and took off for the rest of the day. He did just fine. So that was kind of neat, too. I was, I was really happy to see that he was able to handle the clutch on that bike. So that is it. That's my, my report for California City and Jawbone Canyon. Definitely a, a thumbs up. It was a, a perfect day to ride out there. The weather was, was gorgeous. And I, I highly recommend for people in, in Southern California, if you're looking for a, a different place to ride, get get way out of the out of the city and and have a lot of different riding options. It, that's the place to go. I'll talk to you later. Maybe I'll see you at the Hippie Killer Hoedown. Ah, Bri Viffer, yes, man. Thank you for that road report. Yeah, you know what? I've heard about California City, and I've heard about Jawbone before. Never been there, but that does sound very intriguing. Thanks for sending that in, and thanks for getting all of us pumped about seeing some new OHV stuff. Um, the Hippie Killer Hoedown, that gets me to... That's a good place to jump off here and talk about what is going to be coming up here soon. Hey, before we get to Hippie Killer, let's back up one second and talk about Handbill. I think Handbill is going off next week, 
And uh, that's going to be in Austin. That is basically, you know, the one show everyone just went to. And uh, before that, over the in the winter, we had Mama Tried. And luckily, the handbill is sort of like the same thing going down to Austin now. I love these shows that kind of rotate around and do all the stuff because it's not just like one big show a year in Daytona that you have to go show off your cool bike build. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of these independent... Pardon me. Independent shows are making the rounds now and going through different states, and uh, it's pretty awesome in my opinion. So that's happening. That's going to be really, really, really cool. You like how I say that? Really cool. Um, and then the twenty second is going to be uh, the Hippie Killer. It's going to be a dirt track out at the uh, Farmers Fairground in Paris, April twenty second, and that's going to go from nine a.m. On till end of, end of night, end of time, man. And basically, that coincides with the Hippie Killer Hoedown, which is a yearly Hippie Killer event that's like a bike show, garage sale, um, stuff like that. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, April 28th in Selma, Texas is the Revved Up Women's Texas Motorcycle Expo. I've been hearing a lot about that. That sounds like that's going to be just a super cool event. And I'm super glad that the, the women's are having something for themselves. Um, that weekend also here is going to be track across and. I've been pumping tracker cross just because it looks like so much fun. The Rusty Butcher guys who are just, you know, blowing up all over the place. They've been blowing up for the past couple of years <clears throat> and they're putting it on. Finally doing their first uh, tracker cross where they can make the rules and all that great stuff and get uh, do what they want to do. And it looks like it's just going to be boatloads of fun. The Mad Max class <laughs> looks pretty awesome. Um, April 30th is the first official Lita's Fox Valley ride. And that's happened in Menasha, Wisconsin. Menasha, 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 Menasha. I pronounce everything in Wisconsin so terribly. So you let me know um, if I've messed that up, would you? Uh, after that, May, well, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but May, man, May 6th is going to be a Greenhorn motorcycle ride from the Pasadena MC. Um, and then also May 6th, the Outliers Guild Moto Show. That's going to be down here in uh, Los Angeles. And that looks pretty cool. That looks kind of like we're LA is going to get one of their cool, you know, outliers show. So that's really cool. Having like our own indie show, I guess is what I'm trying to say, uh, here in LA to maybe start with the tradition, like the one or the handbill or mama tried and all that stuff. So I'm really happy that all this stuff is happening and all this cool custom stuff is really taken off and, um, doesn't have to be just Harley's, you know what I mean? And doesn't just have to be a particular type of bike. It seems like they're kind of embracing the whole culture and uh, all the stuff that's out there still making the rounds and getting kicked around. So that's pretty cool. Paul, as far as the hippie killer, man, I have obligations that day. Hell, I have obligations every day. So what the hell? But if you're going to really try and uh, go out there at the hippie killer, that would be right around the time where I would be able to go. So if you go... Uh, I'll try my best to meet up. I'll probably get in touch with you and let you know if I'm going to be able to make it to the hippie killer. My fingers are crossed that I'm going to be able to make it out to track across and race there and not just spectate, but we'll see. I mean, it's crazy. <clears throat> All right, moving past that, that's just a couple things that are coming up. Uh, the Technosode, I want to tell you, if there's a question on here that doesn't get answered tonight, we will go ahead and have another Technosode. Feel free to 
enter your questions again, or we'll take some of the ones that were asked and then maybe uh, flesh them out a little further. Also, uh, I really do want to talk about what type of bikes you do. I posed this question a while back because we've had some really great Solstice Slam entries regarding engines and practicality and stuff like that. So I want to know what's your dual sport, what's your cruiser, what would be your ADV, what would be your zombie apocalypse bike and all that great stuff. Another questioner from a listener of the show was what do you do in your spare time that's what we want to know and that's what i asked our guest uh here's a quick little clip of his response this is actually pertinent to the show one of the people wanted me to ask what people do when they're not doing bike shit like after work and stuff so i'm gonna ask you frankly what do you do i know your name's not frankly but what do you mean like uh like after work what do i do yeah to keep busy no, like just you just sit around and watch sports or what? Uh, I play stupid video games like a yes. 12-year-old. <laughs> All right. So there that's what he does. What do you do? Send it into the show uh creative writing podcast at gmail.com. What do you do in your off time when you're not doing bike stuff? Or do you use your off time to do bike stuff? What do you do after work? Just let us know. And <laughs> if you have kids or if you know somebody that's sick like me, we also discuss that. I want to know what your best tips are for curing the common cold, especially when it goes down like this. She had fever, chills, night sweats. It was oh, wow. like we ended up going to the doctor on day eight and she still had fevers. And now the neighbor across the street's got it. She's had it for a week and a half. Did their skin turn kind of green and their eyes kind of glass over kind of white? Yeah, not so much green. It was kind of like brown and started flaking. Yeah, did she and try then, to eat your brain? Well, she just kept mumbling stuff. I only going to hang around and find out. Yeah, did you stick a screwdriver in her head? All right, now you know what's coming up. Let's go dive head first into this technosode. I hope you learned something. I know I did. All right, we're back in the studios with technical director rex panther he's here to answer all of your technical questions thank you so much to everybody for submitting them to us uh via mostly facebook but uh, there was a couple out there on the twitter some via email and even some on our instagram so thanks guys for reaching out on all the social media channels uh the first question we have coming in first of all i'd like to talk to you rex about well your background we know is kind of super secretive so we won't really get too much into it yeah i can't get into it but hey hey by the way thanks for having me yeah no problem i was really happy to have you on uh so i i do have a couple technical questions for you i hope i'm not making too much microphone noise right now uh right first couple things i'd like to talk about a lot of people have been talking about the honda rebel release that just came out and all that stuff and uh i'm wondering personally before we get into the the topics the 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 tiered bike thing a lot of people are have been talking about it abroad because they have a tiered licensing or horsepower to weight ratio for bikes and you can't ride a certain bike that's too powerful for you and over here in the states like you can literally go down to the dmv take like a a written test like miss i don't know five of them and then go out and and get on like a thousand cc like sport whatever you can afford like a ninja h2 you know supercharged bike if you can afford it yeah so i was wondering why don't i mean 
I, I, I kind of get it for ice bikes, but on electric bikes, why don't we have some sort of thing, even on like ice bikes, why don't we have something like where the ECU can get flipped or like you flip a switch or, you know, flip a fuel map or something where it doesn't make it so powerful. What's your, uh, what's your take on that? Well, uh, well, first of all, I mean, the people that are flipping out about that are, uh, they're not, they're not like you and me, right? Right. They don't wear shirts. They don't go to Jack in the box. They don't, they don't do the things we do. So, uh, I'm not going to listen to those people and I'm not going to put up with them either. That said, they have a point. Great. What's the point? Well, the point is if you're going to go to the DMV in the first place, that's your first mistake. What are you going to, what are you going to do down at the DMV? You're going to just fall in line, sit in chairs, talk to grumpy people. I mean, is that what you want to do? Is that what no. you want to do with your Saturday? No, especially not my Saturday. No, I, I actually want to get out there and ride like a 3000 CC motorcycle. If they would make one finally. Well, I mean, I can't talk about it, but I'm not going to say they haven't made one. Uh, yeah, they're out there. So, so what you're saying is like, don't, I mean, not even don't even think about tiered licensing or ways to limit bikes like uh having some sort of switch or, or tiered system on them like go the opposite direction like maybe like go down to the the DMV and part of your part of your test is that you have to drag race and see if you can hit like 200 miles an hour you're reading me just right i mean I, all i talked about so far when you asked me this question, and I knew you were going to ask about this, but when you asked me, I all I talked about was uh, the DMV and being grumpy, and and I don't even remember what I said, but you got exactly what I was what I was going for. Yeah. Well, you know what? Also, whenever you go to the DMV, there's fees involved, and I'm broke. I mean, after I spend all that money on like like I said, like the Tomahawk or even like a Ninja H2 or something like that. I don't have money to pay them fees. I ain't got money to, you know, get that license and that gear. Are you saying you bought a Tomahawk? Are you saying you bought a Ninja? You ever been on one of those? No. The H2? No. Have you? Well, I can't really talk about that either. And you know that. So you probably shouldn't be asking me that. Yeah, I digress. I actually, I'm sorry about that. So, okay, well, that that takes, I mean, that totally went the opposite direction of what I was thinking. So thank you for clearing that up. And and this must be truly from, I mean, I don't have the knowledge that you have and I don't have the background that you have. So I don't see the data that you see that suggests that we don't need to dial things back. We need to push. I mean, are we pushing like the human body to its limits here? Is that what we're trying to do? I, well, um, I, I, I mean, what data are you looking at? You're not looking at the data that I sent you. Remember in the encrypted file? Did you even look through that before the show here? I mean, I don't know how to. On. I don't know how to unencrypt things. I did not. But yeah, well, okay. Well, well, that's my bad. I probably should have thought of that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Next time, I I think what we'll do is uh, we'll just meet up in a park somewhere. I'll give you the folder. I'll dress like a hobo. All right. I'll be the guy in the tutu. 
I bet you will. So let's get into some of the listener submitted. Uh, now that we got that off our plate, let's let's push push that aside. Let's talk about that off the air later uh, when we get a chance. But let's get into some of the listener submissions here. Um, as far as like technology and and uh, stuff, we have all sorts of tech questions. And my, the oh, first good. one, actually, I'm going to say about five or six things to you, and I want you to tell me after I say them the first thing that comes to mind uh, when I say these: uh, dark siding. Parallel twins, turbo spray or uh, or I'm sorry, turbo or spray, uh, two strokes, and shaft or chain. Mm-hmm. Now, when I when I say dark siding, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is this rave that I went to when I was 19 years old. It was up at the Pala Indian Reservation, and uh, whoo. Was it called Dark Side? No, no, it wasn't. But uh can't remember the name of it. Narnia, that's what it was. And man, there was a dark side to that night. Let's hear about it just a little bit. <clears throat> All right. So we brought a tent. There was a <laughs> wow. Of- First mistake, <laughs> bringing a tent to a rave. You can't tent surf the crowd at a rave, my friend. Well, this rave here, it was, uh, it, it felt like it was in a quarry. I don't know. It was dark when we got there. So maybe that's why they call it dark side. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I brought a girl. In fact, I came with three girls and, um, Hey, that's the only way I can come anymore. They had this, uh, they had this DJ going and it was probably the most massive crowd I've ever seen. Uh, thump, 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 you know, that kind of weird music. And and everybody's dancing around, and a lot of people are dancing different ways. Like, nobody's cohesive. Uh, and and I figured, this is pretty amazing event. I never went to a rave before. Uh, went around the corner to just get away from the music around the corner. By that, I mean around this sort of hillside. And as I came around... It was an even bigger crowd with another DJ, but it was super dark over there. Um, literally dark, like uh, just blue lights, like, and only a few. Dark of them. side. That yeah. Was dark side. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the first thing I saw was a girl dancing topless and she was surrounded by a bunch of idiots that were, you know, on any number of, drugs and they were just staring at her mouth agape some of them had you know drinks in their hands or whatever i thought you're gonna say visible erections but okay drinks in hand and uh and i went back to the tent and banged my girlfriend and uh that was about it that's right. that's what dark side uh that's what first comes to mind with dark side Right. And as a bike technical director, I know that, you know, dark siding means using car tires on motorcycles. So thank you for the story. But I really want to cover your know-how and knowledge on that subject. Although we will, we will come make it a note here. We will come back to the rave later off the air. Well, I just gotta, I just gotta tell you just a little constructive feedback. I mean, you didn't say, Hey, what does dark siding mean to you? He said, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? 
Yeah, actually, I, I like that better than talking about car tires on <laughs> motorcycles, actually. <laughs> and I have to say, Narnia, topless woman dancing with a bunch of dudes dancing around her, classic move, classic move for Narnia. I feel like that sort of stuff still is going on. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, parallel twins. Is that like the best euphemism for naked sisters that you've ever heard? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say so. I, I think uh, you could probably on the spot come up with three that are better. Yeah. I was just thinking about how, uh, you know, people always say sex sells and then bikes are sexy. And I was thinking, man, the names that we give to motors, parallel twins, huh? Check out the parallel twins at uh, the V twin though. I mean, the V twin that the V twin. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a, that reminds me of like those old eighties double mint commercials. Oh Remember? yeah. Where the ladies had two pussies. Yeah. Those are double mint. I have two pussies. Well, they had such high shorts. You could see everything. So what's your opinion on a uh, turbo or spray for drag racing? You got to go spray all the way. Yeah. And I read that. Say. I read that. Right I think that's the... pretty. Hey, oh. Hey, I'm just rhyming spray. Uh, I read that right off the bumper sticker that I got on my pickup truck. So you heard him guys spray all the way. And I've seen some pretty crazy videos being posted up on the WIR top 10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about. You know oh, yeah. those guys. That looks like a god thing. Uh, I don't know, like a dry ice bomb going off, but but on purpose. I mean, th- I'm excited to see. It seems like when you got that much fuel and nitrous and all that stuff going into a motor, how do you keep it? Like, what's the easiest way to blow up a motor? It looked like a looked like a Alice Cooper concert. Oh yeah, it looked like the pyro. You know all the pyro effects, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like you put that thing on the corner of the stage, right when he's singing "Schools Out for Summer," and I mean, you, you, you know, what's the diff? It's like, yeah. You, I mean, you might drown out Alice Cooper, and all the Alice Cooper fans would be pretty pissed off. Yeah. If there's one thing I know, it's that they love race bikes, but they love Alice Cooper more. So yeah, don't yeah, you, you got a point there. Have you ever met somebody who didn't like Alice Cooper? Like, could maybe maybe people don't know him. Maybe maybe they don't care one way or the other. But nobody doesn't like Alice. Like, really doesn't like him. Right? Yeah, he's a he's a really good scratch golfer too. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't like him in the in the polo tees at least the first time you see him in a polo tee on a golf course you go wait a second alice yeah can't they bend the rules for just once and let a guy wear a bloody v-neck instead of a collared polo yeah yeah and if it was his choice to wear it like make him not wear it make him not wear the golf clothes yeah Anyway, I think I think that's how he dresses all the time. I think that's how he dressed back, you know, when he first got his start. Actually, I think he's always dressed like uh, a fuddy-duddy librarian, and uh, he only put the quote outfit on for concerts and stuff. You just ruined Alice Cooper for me. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> so let's get on to the next. Uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you say two strokes? And we're, let's, not, let's not talk about golf. Let's not think about golf. Let's not think about your honeymoon, but two strokes. Well, a uh, lot of fun, obviously. Um, if you've never taken a two stroke out on the beach and just held it down and spun around, maybe right next to the water, you know, it gets thick, hard, and then you, you come up to the, you come up on the, the upper side of the beach, that, that part of the arc, spraying city. I think that's called a dune. No, no, I'm talking about ocean beach. Ocean. Oh, oh yeah. There, <clears throat> I forgot there's like a bunch of water at the beach. Oh yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's right next to the sand. It's, I mean, like if you were on the sand in California and you walked west, you would be right in that. And that's called the ocean. I thought you were going to say two stroke. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about and and I don't know, maybe you've never taken a two stroke out on the beach, but you can really spin around and uh, kick up some dust with minimal effort. Can you do that in the desert on a two-stroke too? Or is it I mean, you could, but it's just a desert. Look, there, you're going to get a different bike if you're going to go out to the desert and do little tiny donuts. What I'm talking about is specifically little tiny donuts on the beach at night, right next to the water. Okay, at night. Now that that makes a lot more sense because two strokes tend to overheat a lot. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, final question on on my uh, my rundown here. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say shaft for or chain? Shaft versus chain. Uh, are you trying to decide right now? Like like you're looking at Craigslist and you're picking between the two. Yeah, and I've entered shaft and chain on Craigslist, and unpleasant things have come up in the search results. All right. Well, on this one, I'm about a 50-50. So what I want you to do, since you're looking at Craigslist right now, is pick between the junkyard dog who always carried chains and, and shaft uh, and shaft. And just decide, just decide not who you like better, but who was cooler. Yeah, I mean, that's hard because Shaft had his own song, but I feel like Junkyard Dog did as well. The Junkyard Shuffle, right? Yeah, well, Junkyard Dog didn't just have his own song. He had his own moves. Shaft had the ladies. Junkyard Dog had Big John Stud right behind him. Um, maybe we go with Shaft then. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of going Junkyard Dog. Plus, I know one of the racers in the WIR's top 10 list has a bike called Junkyard Dog, so I'm kind of leaning that way now. Plus, Chains. Well, I mean, mean, technically, I'm going to go Shaft, but for my example uh, of how to choose when you're 50-50, not 51-49, you want to go Alphabetical junkyard order. Dog. You want to go yeah. junkyard dog? Yeah, alphabetical order. That's what I thought you were gonna say. Wait, wait, no. You mean chain? Chain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
let's get into some submitted listener questions now. And uh, let's stop talking about parallel twins and shafts and chains and all that stuff. You know, the one thing I do have to say is just like the man shaft, uh, shaft drives don't require that much maintenance. You know what I mean? Whereas the chain, that always needs maintenance. I feel like Junkyard Dog was constantly getting rub downs, probably by dudes though in the locker room. Shaft was probably getting them by the ladies. So, yeah. I'm not 100% sure how that uh, that point spread works there. Uh, so, oh. pardon me. <clears throat> so, Rex Panther, let's get into some of the uh, listener-submitted questions. Let's visit the first one we have here from email sent in uh, by Bobby D. Should I scream before I crash? <clears throat> wow. Should you scream before you crash? From a technical, I mean, using your superior knowledge and like all the years of wisdom in like electromechanics and neurological electrophysoscience and, uh, you know, race bike technology, uh, street bike technology, rocket, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to say everything, but I let that one slip. But uh, let's just say that you've got quite an engineering uh, and scientific background uh, you know, pulling all from all those resources and uh, condensing them down into one primal scream before you crash. Uh, what's the, what are the benefits and uh, what are the pros and cons, I guess? All right, let's take it from the top. So let's, uh, let's take the science out of it for a moment, just for a moment, and just say, what else are you going to do? Right before you crash, you've already decided there's nothing going to happen except I'm going to crash. I'm you, going down. Yeah, you might involuntarily shart. Yeah, there's nothing uh, voluntary. You're right. Good call. There's nothing voluntary that I'm going to be able to do to prevent this. I might as well scream. I'm going to get one guttural scream out. Okay. <clears throat> but... You've been wrong before. And if you've decided that there's nothing left, there's nothing I can do to prevent what's about to happen. It's a millisecond away. You might be wrong. And what you're doing right now is expending energy on a scream, a girly scream. And that's going to be the very last thing you do when you could put that effort into Doing something. I know you already thought of the obvious. Turn the handlebars. Lay it down. Jump off. Flail around. Roll backwards. Uh, you thought of everything. But maybe you didn't. And you're wasting your shitty last millisecond screaming like a girl. So my final answer is no. I have to agree that uh, even though right here, according to the uh, a study done with the BBC and Oxford Eaton University, it says here that actually screaming can release uh, air and pressure from your chest cavity, allowing it to cave in and allowing your body to take more of a uh, impact. That mm -hmm. uh, actually, yeah, with the it, what it what it fails to mention is that with the uh, like ubiquitous GoPro that everyone seems to have nowadays, you definitely don't want to sound like a bitch going out on camera. You know, what I mean that that's going to be recorded, and I think you're right. A girly scream, come on, like a grunt, you know, or like 
just look like you're trying to do something cool before you, you fall off. Yeah. I, I don't want to bring it down too much, but I just watched a YouTube video of uh, a wipeout and the dude was hauling ass forever down the straight road. And then some asshole turned uh, left across his lane and it, he was he was definitely going at least double the speed limit when when he hit the car but right before he hit the car he said oh no just like that oh no and that's way cooler than going oh no <laughs> yeah and they're yeah. like wow that girl was going fast when she hit that car yeah okay uh very good um question number two this one is off of twitter and it comes from taco bike i don't know how to say the city but taco bike something some spanish city uh tips for parking on hot asphalt i'm guessing it gets hot wherever this person is uh asking from let's pretend they're in tucson yeah. Oh, that is that is that T U C S O N? Is that Tucson? Oh what? I, I don't see it. What are you talking about? I thought it was Taco Bike Tuxen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so that one's on the from the Twitter from Taco Bike Tucson. Okay, well that makes sense. So yeah, they're over in Arizona. I mean, hell, it gets like 130 over there in the summertime. Uh tips for parking on hot asphalt. We all know what happens when you park on hot asphalt. Why don't you take it away? Yeah. Well, uh, first things first, what are you carrying in your saddlebags? You don't have saddlebags? All right. What are you carrying in your backpack? Oh, I don't like wearing a backpack because then I look like a gomer that's going to college. Uh, what are you carrying anywhere that's not your pockets, not your your tight-ass skinny jean pockets? Yeah, we're definitely addressing hipsters here because they are the least prepared of all rider groups uh, in the motorcycle uh, demographics. Yeah, hipsters that don't go to school, right? <laughs> uh because uh, it, it can be solved so simply with just two little pieces of cardboard. You just bring two pieces of cardboard. As soon as you get off, right before you kick it down, just push it forward over the two little pieces of cardboard. You're good to go. I mean, it's not, it's not a perfect solution. I, I know the cardboard's going to get worn out. You're going to forget to pick it up when you get on your bike and, and leave. Don't be a dumbass. Bring a free, I mean, literally free solution with you in your uh, fanny pack. Yeah, because all hipsters definitely have fanny packs. And you were just, uh, you're probably riding to get gas uh, on your way home from the craft brewery or artesian triple doppel gunkel IPA house that's uh, next to, next to your, uh, yeah, your hangout. Yeah, your girlfriend just sent you out for <laughs> Edom cheese because you guys ran out and yeah. she got well, these perfect crackers. Right. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Either, you know, since you're coming home from obviously your, uh, your craft brewery watering hole, just grab a couple of the beer 
cardboards that they put the beer, like the beer coasters, right? Is that kind of like what you're saying? That's yeah. a, that's a free and easy solution. I think like literally anything like any goddamn free piece of trash. Oh. That's How, yeah. But cardboard's the easiest to come by. I, I mean, you know, I live in Southern California and we got cardboard here, tons of it. So you can just tear off a chunk, two oh, chunks. It's true. Driving around, uh, almost every piece of hot asphalt that you see has cardboard by it. Uh, that's kind of a weird phenomenon I never thought of. You know what would be one uh, one way or one solution is to call somebody over that doesn't ride and kind of looks kind of weak and just say, hey, buddy, can you put your foot down right there? And then when they do, whip your kickstand down on their foot and then walk into the store and get your pack of cigarettes or whatever you're buying and then come back out and use somebody else's foot as a, uh, a kickstand puck. Yeah. I mean, if you can, if you have an idiot nearby, this isn't the only situation where you could use an idiot, like any stupid task or stupid thing that you need done. If there's an idiot right next to you, you got your solution. Oh my God! Don't even don't even put the kickstand down. Just have him hold the bike, turn it off so that they don't accidentally give it throttle. Because we know how idiots are just a recipe for disaster. But yeah, just tell them to hold the bike up for you. And if they drop it, tell them they owe you a new one. I I can't argue with that. <laughs> so our our next question comes in uh, from our. Uh, Tumblr page. Actually, somebody responded on Tumblr. That's uh, the only one from Tumblr. And it is from... Oh, shoot. I always get this wrong. These are, they always have the weirdest names on Tumblr. Let me get the name. It's like reading a, a stupid license plate and you think that it's, <laughs> you think it's a vanity plate, but... It's almost like you're actually reading what I'm seeing because that's exactly, I can never figure out. It's like, a, it's like the world's longest, crappiest hashtags. Like, I don't, I just don't understand. So let me tell you what this is. It's a uh, M A N S O O R hyphen K H A N. I don't know. Mansur Khan. There you go. Must be Genghis Khan's brother. Their question is, uh, what does the underside of a seat cover smell like? Uh, so this person definitely never sniffed the underside of a seat cover. And, you know, when you think about seats, immediately you think about crotches, asses, just really the funk. But the underside of a seat cover, it smells like riding. That's what it smells like. That's the best answer I could have I could have given. Wow, I thought you were going to say it smells like the top, only like more like uh, the poly, the expanded styrofoam that's underneath it or whatever, or the foam. Wow, it does smell like red. You know, it smells like miles and miles of joy. And you know what else smells like miles and miles of joy? What? Tell me. The underside of your pants after you get off a motorcycle. Uh because it smells like the top side of a seat, right? Am I right about this? No, that what I was talking about, I was saying the undersides of the of the seat cover, it smells like riding. And what you're talking about smells like woo, riding. Yeah. 
smells like underwear riding up for 99 miles until you could pull off and pick the wedgie out. I get what you're saying. Uh, so this next one comes to us from uh, Paul. And Paul asks, why is 15% ethanol so much worse than 10%? What's it doing to my engine? And why can my VFR sit for weeks on end and fire right up? But my VMAX needs a complete carb clean if it sits longer than a week. Any, uh, I mean, let's pull from your vast knowledge base and your fuel background to figure this one out. Okay. It's going to be pretty easy. I drink Diet Mountain Dew. And I drink a lot of it. The reason I drink Diet Mountain Dew is so that I don't put that shit in my body. What are you doing? 15%. Listen, what you're doing is pouring high fructose corn syrup into this thing that you just invested in and you love. The thing that you want to ride around, you're like, you know what I want to do? Squish the shitty sugar out of corn. And then dump it right into the very sensitive parts of my car. I mean, my, my vehicle, my, my motorcycle. I mean, why would you ever, ever want to do that to yourself when there's chemicals that can do the same for, with less harm? They can give you the same performance. You know what that Diet Mountain Dew does for me? I... I'm 54 years old, and I am riding a skateboard ramp. That's the Diet Mountain Dew. If I was drinking regular Mountain Dew, holy shit. If I was still alive, I would not be riding a skateboard ramp. Uh, point taken. Can you put Mountain Dew in a, in a uh, motorcycle? Is, is that what you're saying? Only for race applications. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you were really paying attention, but you just said Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is poison. I'm, I'm talking diet. about diet, diet Mountain Dew. And uh, yeah, yeah, you could pour it in there. Okay. I mean, just a little bit, along with the gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely a solution that needs to be made, and, and it's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna cause the same problem this fella has. No, which is you know it's Irritable really gumming up IBS and it's really gumming up his his uh, his machine. Oh, when you said this, fella, I thought you were pointing to yourself. I, we can't see each other, so no, uh, no, no. I, I, I was talking about this fella, uh, Paul. Yeah, yeah, Paul. Paul, Paul. So my thing is, is that I always thought that Hondas liked corn a little bit more than Yamaha's did. And maybe that was his uh, problem, was but I don't know. That was your theory. Yeah. Cause you know how corn sometimes when you eat it and then you go number two and a little bit comes out cause it's undigested. I think Honda's actually sort of like have a better digestion system than Yamaha's do. And Yamaha's just gets clogged in there. They need like basically a colonic after using any, any uh, grade of ethanol, you know. Well, what I, mean? I, I think you might have just described a problem that you should probably talk to your doctor about because you you literally just said you eat a bunch of corn and a little bit comes out. When I eat corn, all of it comes out, and I mean I can see most of it because it's it's like wedged into the poop, but I know all of it is there. 
all of it's coming out. And that's what should happen for you. Yeah. And so what he's having is, you know, a bunch of corn go in his gas tank and not go anywhere. And it's not going. all of it, right? Not all of it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Take the VMAX to the doctor is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. You and Paul's motorcycle need to go get fixed. Okay. Yeah. I'll look into that. And in other news, I read that uh, E85 was actually the best for racing, but they had aftermarket fuel set up. So we'll leave that one alone. We'll come back to another one. Uh, this one comes from Pat via a uh, Facebook message. Uh, it says, can I put chili in my gas tank? We just discussed Mountain Dew. What about chili? Look, I don't know where Pat's coming up with these uh, these wacky questions, but of course you can put chili in your gas tank. You can't, however, put chili in your gas tank and expect your motorcycle to still work. Like you're really going to have to pay a bunch of money to fix that shit. Uh, but yes, it will fit. How, how long did you have to go to school to uh, learn that? Well, I've been eating chili my whole life, so I, I, I never took a class on it, but I remember one time I put chili in a bucket. Uh, I, I put chili like directly on the sidewalk. I never put it in a motorcycle tank. Nothing that I would have to repair afterwards. So I would recommend that Pat not do what he's planning to do. I hope, I hope after he sent the message, he didn't run and put chili in his gas tank because he probably would have been successful at ruining his, his bike. Right. I, I thought you were going to have some scientific answer of how it works or why it doesn't work, but you're, just empirical observations there that yes, you can no, you shouldn't, I think is the best advice that anyone considering putting chili in their gas tank should take. Yeah, no, scientifically, I mean, anything can burn, right? Anything, literally anything can burn at a high enough temperature. Um, you know what? I'll tell you what, after enough chili, I burn a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you ever go to that chili cook off down at the, uh, the Padres tailgate chili cook-off. It's for a charity. You got oh, to no. head down there. It's uh, in July. MDA, Muscular Dystrophy Association. Uh, anyway. I love my intestines too much to subject them to hours of chili consumption. You, um, you've got to be, you got to go through it a couple of years in a row. I mean, they're a year apart. You got to go through it a couple of years in a row and know that it's for charity. And you got to remember that for the next three days after the event, it was for charity. It was for charity. It was for charity. All right. So our next question actually came from a little kid. Uh, I saw a little kid who was eyeing my motorcycle uh, when I was riding on the street the other day. And this little kid asked me a question. How does a motorcycle engine start? <laughs> now, before you answer this, uh, I damn near pimp slapped this little kid because I couldn't believe what a stupid question. Of course it starts this way and you go ahead and take it. So uh, for the little kid, it's combustion. There are, <laughs> there are um, fuels in the world. One of those fuels that we've manufactured is, is liquid. It is 
um, a petroleum-based fuel, and it's highly reactive to heat. Um, we introduce heat by way of electricity in a spark form, and the gas that's coming off of that liquid expands at a rate that the mechanics that are resting upon it cannot withstand. And then magic happens. And the magic is how it starts? Yeah, the magic is what does it. I mean, you could shorten it to just say magic yeah. happens. I just told him you push the button. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the answer I went with. That is a, that's a good answer, yeah. So yeah, it almost sounds like you're reading off a flashcard there too. Uh, it's it's on this pen I got from Cragen. Uh, <laughs> it's written really, really small. <laughs> Com how combustion works. All right, this next one comes from Nick H. It was submitted via email. Uh, can I put vegetable cooking oil in my forks? Wow, a lot of people want to put stuff in stuff. Um, in this case, you can. So I guess we start out with the same answer. You can, but it's a little bit different in this respect. Unlike chili in your gas tank, vegetable oil in your forks will function. It'll, it'll give you what you need. It's not going to give you the performance that, um, that a high-grade material would, but I'll tell you this, there most of the people, most of the people out there riding bikes, and I, I don't mean this as a dig on the entire community, but they're not going to notice the difference. They're not going to notice the difference between the, the $18.99 and the $0.98 cent, uh, Wesson oil. Yeah, I almost don't think they would notice the difference between chili and some grades of gas, you know? Yeah, yeah, a couple of them wouldn't like that guy that you uh, you put the kickstand on. <laughs> the idiot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know. And actually, uh, you know, in a pinch, right? In a pinch, any any port in the storm, I guess. Right. If you're, if you're riding by a wholesale restaurant supply store and your fork seal pops or something, or you happen to, you know, get a lot of brake dive or uh, blow a fork seal out in the middle of the desert and don't have, you know, a trailer full of bike supplies, which it would be kind of weird to drive out to the desert without that. But I'm just saying. Yeah. Or it'd be kind of weird to, you know, just swing by a, a grocery store and pick up a bunch of Wesson oil and dump it into your forks. But Who's who's to say there aren't weird people out there? There definitely are weird people out there. They sent all their questions to us. Uh, so uh, this question comes from Jason via Facebook page. And it says, my question is, how does Chris Singsime make his bike so darn fast? And this is uh, one of the most famous racers on the WIR's top 10 list, Chris Singsime. Of course. Uh, yeah. Also known as Nitrous Chris. I was going to say it's in his name, but I don't think that that Nitrous Chris, I don't think that really gives it all away. Well, it's not chilly in the gas tank. He does probably put the Wesson oil on his fork. So, yeah. 
Well, because he's also got him dropped. So, I mean, he, it, there's probably not enough room in his forks for conventional fork oil. He has to use something that is like, you know, has the molybdenum rate of, you know, the molecules have to arrange themselves to stack like a vegetable oil does, where we all know fork oils don't like to compress. That's why they're used for the damping, you know, because they don't like that. They roll, they kind of have to move around each other where vegetable oil molecules can actually stack. So I think you're onto something there. Uh, Christopher, hey, you, ain't, you ain't got to tell me. Yeah, I know. You're the one that told me earlier off air. I've taken totally <laughs> taken credit for that, and I'm, I apologize. Uh, so Christopher M. says that tacos and wings actually might be part of the reason he's so fast. And then Jason comes back and says unicorn farts are actually uh, the reason. And then Chris himself chimed in later and said mostly tears, some aspirin, and spent overtime check stubs and the tears of my ex-friends. So let's talk about that. His tears aspirin and the tears of his ex-friends is he saying that saline is actually what's making him run faster is some sort of salt chemical solution that he's added into his fuel like a really sad solution um i i would i would have to say that i don't give two shits about um I don't give two shits about... Oh. Listen, before you continue, I will say that giving two shits right before you make a run down the drag strip will actually make you a little faster. It'll reduce your... <laughs> make you lighter and probably reduce a little drag. But go on. go. You know why it hung me up on the two shits? Because you talked about the tacos. And yeah. man... That's making ooh. you... Yeah. I mean, I, I know what they're going to do to me and I do it anyway. I just love <laughs> the tacos. They're worth the two shits. Yeah. Oh, geez. We need to pause for station identification so he can go take care of this taco mess. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Go ahead, stretch those legs, grab another brewski, take a deep breath, and defunk your brain because you're going to be learning some more useless information coming up right after this break. All right, we're back with Rex Panther, technological specialist. And uh, what was that giggle? We're trying. Well, uh, you know, it's my last name, isn't it? No, no, it was. It no, was how, I get it. I get it all the time. It was how quickly we did that break. <laughs> that was a fast, <laughs> fast break there. Uh, so we we were talking about tacos, and we were talking about uh, saline uh, solutions and power ratters. Uh, What's your opinion on nitrous? Um, somebody wants to know, Aaron. Uh, Aaron S. replied via Facebook and said, how about a show on nitrous? So maybe not this show. Maybe we'll do it in a separate show. We'll talk about nitrous, but things like what it is, what it does, why it adds power, the difference between wet and dry kits, purging, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like this kid doesn't know a damn thing about nitrous. Is there something you can tell me just right now to uh, you know, give him something to chomp on until we can come out with a full show about it? Yeah, maybe short and sweet. I mean, it's a tool of the wealthy, first of all, because um, you're going to go through it so quickly. Uh, you're going to spend a bundle getting geared up, and uh, it's worth it. All of it's worth it. Just, yeah, I mean, sell a kidney if yeah. you have to, but you got to try it. If you're not going to, hit nitrous 
once in your life, even on a friend's bike, then uh, don't bother talking to me. Ever. Okay. And we're not going to give out your personal information after the show, so there's no chance anyone from the show will, will be uh, talking to you. So that's... Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Guarantee that. Uh, well, I think even if we gave out my info, nobody would want to talk to me. I'm a grump. Yeah, you are. Well, that's what sitting in a lab almost, you know, 23 hours a day will do to you. Yep. Also, it also <laughs> has turned your hair a significantly non-human color, but that's a whole other story. Uh, this one comes to us from Casey. He's over in Hawaii. Uh, he wants to know about noise pollution. I and and bikes riding down the whole the highway there. I guess there's like one main highway on the island that he lives on. Mm -hmm. Why are they so darn loud? We got all these big twins with the baffles pulled, and I swear there's noise pollution laws. Why are these bikes so loud? I got to tell you, this is the, this is the most softball question you've uh, thrown at me. The answer is he lives too close to the freeway. I mean, what are you going to do? People are always, you live by a freeway and you expect 100,000 cars a day to all monitor the decibels that they produce. Tell me this, tell me this. If you could make a bunch of noise, sometimes you do it, right? Oh yeah. Because sometimes you feel like making a bunch of noise and where are you going to do it safely? is on a freeway. So people who live next to freeways don't get to complain about uh, I'm sorry. I sound I sound angry at at the the guy asking the question. What is the name again? Casey. Casey Casey, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm just saying, look, if you don't want to if you don't want to hear cars, don't go where cars are i i sound terrible i sound like i'm just being mean to you but i i don't mean it buddy i get it yeah if you don't want to get if you don't want to get run over don't walk by and folded through a parking lot at christmas time right get yourself a trailer there's plenty of desert wait he's on he's in hawaii though uh look there's plenty of desert on the mainland you got volcanoes up there there's no highways on the volcanoes Climb up the volcano. Right. I was gonna say I don't know what that has to do with, but I get it now. Yeah. And you know, are there are there a hundred thousand cars on the freeways over there? I've never been to Hawaii. Is it that populated? I haven't been to Hawaii either, and I can't even imagine a, ho- a highway and uh, a freeway in Hawaii. I mean, maybe that's what he's complaining about. These windy little roads, and he's calling them freeways. Did he say freeway or highway? He said uh, on the freeways. On the freeway, well, he, he said on the highway. Yeah, he did say it was like a mile long freeway. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that uh, one's only a hundred yards long. I think it's eight lanes on each side for a hundred feet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the it's like the Los Angeles orange border. Um, anyway, yeah, there are noise ordinances, and people need to meet them. And you can call and complain, but by then the guy is uh, at least twenty. 30 miles down the road. 
Right. And that really struck a chord with me when you said, if you could make a bunch of noise, wouldn't you love to do it? Yes. And and then you said, and what's a better place than the freeway? Yes, because the guy can't catch you or even probably get your plate that's complaining about you. So that is like the only place you should be making a lot of noise. It should be like a damn, uh, you know, two-year-old in the symbol factory, the freeway, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, especially in an isolated area like that, like on an island. I mean, what are you going to do <laughs> out here, out here in Southern California? If I wanted to go find a place, I probably could. I mean, pretty easily find a place to go wide out. But hey. out there, you, you got the freeways and then yeah. you got jungle. Of course. And you know what? What what bigger threat is there? Like when your kid is playing, learns how to play the drums, maybe they're a teenager and they're getting into rock music or they're just being like crazy. And you say, man, if you want to learn to play those drums or that guitar, you go somewhere away on a desert island you know what i mean like i'm gonna put you way out on it like parents always make those threats and literally this guy lives out in the middle of nowhere on an island complaining about noise which just proves that even no matter where you go if you're that guy if you're that person that's been threatened that you're gonna be put out on an island so nobody will hear you make noise there's always somebody there to complain about it uh, yep yep if a tree falls in the wood woods and it makes a sound yeah, old Casey's going to complain about it. And the squirrels that lived in the tree. I mean, they're going to be really pissed. They're like, my babies are in there. <laughs> yeah. All right, this one comes from Tanner uh, via email. This is our last uh, tech question. Why don't companies name really rare bikes after endangered animals? Hmm. it it seems pretty political to me. Like the, the question, I mean, you know, why don't they, it, it's almost like saying, why don't manufacturers of machines care about the environment? And um, to that, I say, I, I just don't want to get into politics. I work in a lab. I stay in the lab. Sometimes I go home and play video games. Um, but uh, I, I just don't get involved. Yeah. Well, you know what, too? Uh, sadly, I think if we were to name uh, a motorcycle after a, an endangered species, first you have to know that that, that that species is endangered and kind of cheering that they're endangered. Because once your super rare bike, you name it after an animal that's not endangered, that's eh, not so cool anymore. So yeah. I, could, I could see motorcycle manufacturers <clears throat> going out and hunting like, you know, white rhinos or, uh, you know, the, the ard wolf when they were extant, at the, you know, and, and all these other animals that are on, like mountain gorilla. I've never, you know, the Kawasaki mountain gorilla doesn't sound so great, but I'm just saying, you know, as an example. Yeah, what about when it becomes a pest? Like we've, we've done such a great job and it becomes a pest, that one creature. Right. And, and mountain gorillas are in every cupboard in every house and we're trying to get rid of them. And yeah. now you have a mountain gorilla bike. People are yeah. going to be like, listen, dude, maybe back in the 21st century, but now it's 3042 and we got mountain gorillas everywhere. Yeah, we got mountain gorillas riding mountain gorillas for fuck's sake. Like, come on, discontinue that brand name. Uh, and also, yeah, it kind of does lend like a uh, an edge of like, 
I don't know. You wouldn't call something the mosquito, would you? Just because there's a bajillion of them. So why call something the quagga? Because there's like one left somewhere, you know? Yeah. You wouldn't Plus, call it the leech. You know, uh, yeah, the leech. There are uh, too many animals to name motorcycles after. So you need to name them after ninjas or weird Japanese words that mean like purse or hot soup, uh, things like that, so that people don't actually know like what it means. Like think of most car names. I don't know what they even mean. It sounds like the Japanese are making up a fake Italian word, and that's the name of their car. Yeah, it's almost like, why don't all the stupid bars downtown um, name themselves with more than one stupid word? Right. Or uh, vagabond or whatever. It's because they're all hipsters and they don't care about politics, the environment, or anything else. That leads me to our... An impromptu tech question that really isn't tech. <laughs> what does a what does a hipster do when they get on a bike? Like what sort of physical things happen to the motorcycle and the person when a hipster and a bike interact? When when <laughs> when skinny, super expensive skinny jeans engage with brown leather seat, and uh, super non-protective and uh, you know non-safety rated leather boots that are crafted by a dude in his basement in uh, somewhere in Wisconsin, meet the foot pegs of a knurled, uh you know, cafe racer turned scrambler. What happens uh, physiologically? Or even like electrochemically. Yeah, like it's it's an immediate, the universe sends out a, a message that says uh, it starts a slow motion bull ride. It's like buck off, buck off. And it, it's not so much a buck in, in reality, but, it, you know, that's what I can equate it to that skinny jean denim is really it, there it, it never actually touches the leather is what i think happens i mean this is all theoretical we're talking we're getting into theoretical hipster physics but yeah i mean if you look at capillary action versus the actual like smallest distance of an atom yeah you're right it doesn't actually touch for that and it's not necessary for that sort of uh you know to to span that little schism there the electromagnetic whatever you were taught that weird like dark magic that you were just talking about um like chaos magic to happen yeah you don't actually need the atoms to physically touch each other because we know if they do one's likely to split and hell there goes the universe you know black hole all this sorts of shit yeah, I, I think it's a super sketchy, you know, it's a super crazy phenomenon that we let so many hipsters ride around knowing that they almost virtually control the fate of the universe with one uh, wipeout or one like, you know, off camber turn, you know, or well, like, totally. I mean, the counter steer. Yeah, you you know, it it's almost a it, it's almost a perfect example an updated example of Zeno's paradox. Are you familiar? 
uh, barely uh, hit it. Hit me with it, Daddy-o. So, so uh, the hipster needs to get on the motorcycle seat, and he's five feet away. Well, before he can get on the motorcycle seat, he's got to get two and a half feet closer. He's got to get half that five foot distance. Now he's two and a half feet away from the the motorcycle seat. Well, he's got to go half that distance. I should have picked a better number, but it, like one and one eighth of a foot. Yeah, yeah. So he's got to go half that two and a half feet, and then he's got to go half that, and he's got to go half that, and he's got to go half that. And where is he ever going to meet? Because he's always, no matter how close his skinny jeans are to the leather seat. He's got to go half the distance before he gets there, right? There's yeah. never going to be a point where he doesn't have to go half the distance before he gets there. It's that, an updated version of Zeno's paradox. Yeah, that that distance, that microscopic, like probably need a halide, hadron kilometer uh, collider to see. That you know, you probably need the Hubble telescope clicked all the way up on eleven, pointing right at that guy's butt to see that space. But in that microcosm of a space is probably where all the magic to all tonight's questions are answered. Like you know, how how does Chris Singsheim go so fast? What's better? Nah, can you put chili in your tank? In that small microcosm, you know that that reminds me of too. Uh, Hexagon's paradox reminds me of a test that they actually did with like the skinny jean rubbing on the seat. Does it ever rub on the seat? Well, they did this study back in the seventies before hipsters and leather seats and skinny jeans and all that, where the you know corduroy was super popular at the end of the seventies and into the eighties. And they actually had somebody walk uh, in corduroy pants with a vinyl record in between their legs, like kind of try to hold it while they walked. And, you know, that corduroy on either side of those vinyl grooves uh, created spontaneous combustion and the person died. Um, (laughs) Two of them. Yeah, Yeah, no, uh, yeah. I bet that happened. I didn't hear about it, but I bet that happened. Yeah, it was a... One of the worst uh, <laughs> genital burnings in the 80s. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, uh, the corduroy was popular for about um, a month and a half in uh, the mid-90s, too. Just, yeah, a lot just, of- just to update your, your fact there. I feel like vinyl was going out then or we would have had a lot more crotch burnings making the news. You know what I mean? Because people would like to try to do stuff like that all the time. And it's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a break. We're going to uh, talk about our friends of the show, Daily Bikers, uh, really quick. We'll be right back. Looking for a gift for someone who rides? Looking for a great blog with tech reviews, ride reports, and all sorts of other great stuff? Go to dailybikers.com for all your motorcycle needs. That's dailybikers.com. All right, we're back with Rex Panther. Uh, we've we've had a really good talk. We've discussed some of the most, most technological things I've ever discussed with uh in regards to motorcycles and now we're going to go to some news uh have you been watching the news lately yeah i i mean i try not to but it's always around you know yeah i agree 
Uh, so in last week's news, we covered, you know, what is news is always happening. Isn't that the craziest thing? Like talk about like a weird, uh, phenomenon. Yeah. Um, like when could news not happen? Yeah. I, I get pissed off when it doesn't happen then. And I'm like, geez, this is that one time. And then I look at the paper to show somebody. I'm like, look, it didn't happen. And then there's like, it's there. And I'm like, shit. Do you, it happened your, monocle when I was out? Do you get your monocle yeah. out when you uh, look at your paper? Well, by paper, I meant digital, you know, uh, who, who actually makes paper stuff. It ruins the environment. Uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, I go to show them, hey, look, there's nothing here. And then there was literally no news for a second. And by the time I get somebody to show, goddamn, there's n- news on it. So there's been multiple things in the news recently, uh, uh, encounters with wildlife. It's that time of year. It's the spring. The deer are coming out. Uh, In Alexandria, Virginia, there was a a video, which uh, the guy didn't scream before he crashed, but uh, a motorcyclist did crash after a deer crossed the road and leapt over him. Uh, Have you seen this in the news at all? Did you hear about it? I didn't. Did you? uh, Was there helmet cam video? There is helmet cam video. I should probably share it on our website, I guess, or put it in the show notes if we're going to be talking about it. But yeah, he, uh, to avoid hitting the deer, like it's unclear whether the uh, the deer bumped him or in a desperate attempt to avoid hitting the deer, uh, caused him to swerve. Like you said, you know, don't scream, use that energy to do something like turn the handlebars. Well, he turned him right into the grass on the side of the road. So, right. uh, yeah. Now I want to mention one thing about this asshole. And while we're on, while we're talking about hipsters and everything, he's got the brownest, most expensive looking leather gloves on. He's also got like, it looks like a freaking blazer or a hunting jacket. And he's got pinstriped cuffs sticking out the end. Are you familiar with the distinguished gentleman tried? No, I'm not. Okay, well, that's where you dress up like a dapper gentleman and then ride your motorcycle for testicular cancer. It's a good cause, but it almost looks like this guy is doing that. Only, I got to tell you, there's no uh, there's no gentleman's ride going on right now. So this guy is just... No riding. indication he was doing this for anyone but uh, but himself. Yeah, just okay. going, going to work or something. I'm not 100% sure. And he's not like on a super hipster looking bike. Actually, it looks like he's missing uh, the top half of his bike. Editor's note, this actually was footage from a distinguished gentleman's ride, and the person who got this article for us and told it was brand new has been released from the show. And yeah, he just drives right onto the grass, steers it onto the grass instead of screaming, uh, crashes, and I think he still cusses a whole bunch after that, but... I think that, I think that validates my, uh, my point, my answer to the earlier... Um, question about uh, whether or not you should scream and 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 i'm gonna just double down on this not just because of the evidence but but also because uh screaming is terrible i have kids and they scream sometimes and it's just terrible and it never accomplishes anything yeah and and so so uh, i'll get off my soapbox about it but let me just say i don't like screaming now, this happened. This is an old article. This happened in Sturgis, South Dakota during the rally, this famous, uh, world famous Sturgis bike rally. Uh, another biker was riding his gigantic bagger through the hills there. 
uh, of Sturgis, South Dakota, and very, very beautiful scenic uh, roadway and very beautiful, you know, scenic vistas. Also, very, very, very scenic wildlife. And a deer also jumped over this guy. Now, you know, as you know, in Sturgis, I think in all of South Dakota, there's no helmet law. Right. So these guys didn't have helmets and the buck's back foot missed the guy by about, oh, geez, like an inch. Uh, It literally leapt over him and almost kicked kicked him in the head, which, you know. He, if it had kicked him and he would have fallen off the bike without a helmet on, that's one thing. But just getting kicked in the head by a leaping deer is enough to uh, cause some some brain injury. So this time of year, folks, it's no joke. Uh, and I, I actually did see on YouTube the other day a guy up here in the Hollywood Hills, same sort of thing. So I guess the point of the point of this news story coming out of Virginia is this time of year. I wonder. I wonder when you're describing it, and I haven't seen it, but uh, is kick the right term? I mean, I know it would. the hoof would really put a dent and maybe even kill somebody. I mean, I'm not minimizing that, but it's flying you over know, yeah. and he's running into it, right? They came out from the side of the road. Their Their path was definitely on a you know, they were definitely on a collision course mm-hmm. and instead of letting this guy in a huge bagger shear it in half, which I've seen deer strikes on YouTube, you know, if you just go on YouTube and hit type in motorcycle and hitting deer, there's plenty of them where guys don't crash. They hit the deer. It cuts the deer in half. It ruins the bike a little bit, but this guy's on a big 900 pound bagger, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, this thing, this deer said, listen, uh, instead of getting cut in half, I'm going to get mangled. So I'm going to jump over this thing. And yeah, it, it, its foot looks like it passes right between his windshield and his face. Wow. So take that for what it's worth. But they do, they have very pointy toes. But, you know, yeah, that getting kicked in, in the head by one. I mean, I remember uh, an incident with my cousin when we were kids and we were, you know, we went deer hunting. And we had dressed the deer and, you know, we're getting rid of the deer afterwards. And you always cut off the legs. And uh, my my brother thought it would be funny to throw the hoof across the yard. Right as my cousin was coming around the corner from the other side of the house. And the it actually went through his head. And uh, my cousin is uh, slightly um, retarded ever since this day, to this day. The very, very pointy hooves on those things. Like through when you say through his head, like it, it through his skull. Yeah, like went through his head. He didn't die, but it, it went through his through his head. Wow! It's like basically like throwing a piece of rebar at it at his head. Uh, speaking of people who are near to death, this uh, this article comes to us out of good old jolly England. Uh, so uh, Southend, I'm going to read verbatim. This is uh, from SX Live News. A Southend motorcyclist died in a horror motorbike accident crash, but miraculously came back to life after his family refused to let doctors switch off his life support. Benjamin Bray, 38, from Westcliff, suffered severe injuries when his motorbike and a car collided on London Road on March 9th. The father of two's brain, quote, shut down, and he was put in a medically induced coma after he was airlifted to St. George's Hospital in Tooting. 
Uh, and his condition was so poor that his family were urged to tell doctors that they could turn off the machine that was keeping him alive. They were urged to tell the doctors, but they didn't. And shortly thereafter, he uh, to life. You know, he lives to write another day, or does he? I'm opening the article. I'm trying to. Well, he lives, time here he lives another day, at least. Uh, wow. But then the next day, here it is. Follow up. The next day, he died. What? <laughs> Holy shit. No. No. Uh, no, that's not true. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Right. Footnote. He died. <laughs> his condition was so poor that his family were urged to tell doctors that they could turn off the machines, keeping him alive. But their decision to give him more time ultimately saved his life, although they have been told he has brain damage. I would imagine after that, that is, uh, that's pretty terrible. Yeah, he's he's breathing on his own, swallowing food. It's nice that he's here. Uh, considering, you know, they say considering that they were left with the decision to turn off the machine, he would have left us two weeks ago. So he's still around, still kicking. Maybe we'll follow up this. Maybe they'll uh, keep the news going and we'll find out if he uh, gets back on the bike. Yeah, so uh, I, I missed the part where you said when this happened. It was very recent. March 9th. Yeah, not too long. I feel like that's not, yeah, I feel like that's a little old now. It's a month old. I'm going to have to get with our uh, t- technical news director who is in charge of finding recent stories and punch him in the dick. I mean, that <laughs> if, nothing, if nothing else, punch him in the dick. All right. Well, uh, I have one last thing on our list for our notes today, and that's the backfire. This is a new segment, Rex, where we talk about things that bug us. Backfire! Backfire. I'm so, trying to give you a soundbite for your backfire segment. Backfire! Ooh. Yeah, I like it. So right now, uh, by the time this airs, I'm sure I'll be chock full of uh, stuff. But right now, I only have two, two things down here in the backfire. The first one is like race bikes on the freeway and race cars for that matter. And this kind of goes back to what we said, you know, to Casey in the technical section of the show is loud vehicles. Now, I don't know if it's because I live next to, well, you know, close to a racetrack that I always hear people racing, but I don't think that really makes a difference. I feel like the racetrack, the cars don't obviously drive out on the freeway or down the streets. It might make a difference living by a racetrack versus not. It might. I mean, I, I do hear the cars practicing at the racetrack, but I'm talking about this regular Joe Schmo out on the freeway. Mm. I, I, I hear all the time. It sounds like, I mean, I also live by a horse racetrack. So I live between a horse racetrack and a car racetrack. And the people at the car racetrack or at the horse racetrack drive very nice cars. The people at the car racetrack drive crappy cars because, you know, they're crashing them all the time into the walls there. But the horse track draws like Maseratis and Ferraris and Lambos. Like there's all sorts of crazy, crummy junk. And of course the Teslas that are around here don't make any noise, but I always hear what sounds like Formula One going down the freaking road, down the freeway. And I live pretty far from the freeway, but the sound carries up here uh, and I can hear it. And I'm thinking these people are doing, you know, 
I don't know what what they're doing because it's it's L.A. and you can't be going that fast. I I always ridicule people for driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis around here in the first place because traffic is usually so bad you can't get them up past sixty. But sometimes in the afternoons, I'll hear them ripping. It sounds like they're doing a hundred, and it's not just cars; it's bikes. Um, what's with that? What is with people like? Is it just because we're in in California and people get like a clear patch of freeway, so they decide to open it up? Are you thinking that it actually is a clear patch of freeway? That's the only explanation. I mean, that's the only one I can think of. It's either that or they're driving down the street here, the main street, which is two lanes wide. Hell, the main street here, a, a main street in any big California town, like where you live in, in uh, SoCal and where I live in SoCal, let's face it, the boulevards that run through the, the cities are three and four lanes wide. And some some states don't even have freeways and highways that that big, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So they could just be down here on the front on the main street, which is Old Route sixty six. I'm betting you. I'm betting you that is. I, I know the area you live around, and uh, and I know near my house the biggest uh, Broadway type street at two in the morning when it's. Uh, crystal clear is is um, is two lanes each side with a median, a big median, but two lanes each side gives you plenty of room to open it up with no cars around at two a.m. The freeway, even down here, um, away from L.A., uh, we've got some heavy traffic even in the wee hours of the morning. I can't imagine even a well, I guess I guess maybe if it, if you're talking like 4 a.m., 3:30, 4 a.m. before yeah. it, right between everything, is that about when you're hearing this stuff? Well, I'm hearing it at all times of the night. I heard it this afternoon. I think people are just dicing in and out of traffic too, because I've seen that a bunch too. But they get these, they, you know, they they're out there like racing, like it's. Uh, I don't know. They're out there racing and it sounds like an F1 car going down the street or like even like a MotoGP bike. And I'm like, who the hell is driving around town like that where I can hear them way up here? You know, the sound is carrying all the way up from the freeway. I can only imagine what it's like down there. And uh, I don't know. I guess also that also my my other argument here is that and you know better than I do, but most of the L.A freeways have sound barriers i mean not a hundred percent of the freeway but as i'm driving through la there are sound barriers all over the place on the freeways so i would really suspect the the thoroughfares yeah the 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 city thoroughfares and you think it's just dudes like opening it up and showing showing the size of their v12s and uh v4s well i think it's uh, and i'm just putting myself in their seat when you have an amazing machine a super powerful machine under you rumbling between your legs yeah yeah and you're looking at a desolate street that you know it's three in the morning all the bar people have gone home nobody's gotten up for work yet there's just like maybe one or two milk delivery trucks out. 
Jesus, it's like a daft punk video. You're just going to hit it wide, full open, right? Yep. And, uh, and get the baseball bat out and look for those mailboxes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, the second thing in my backfire is, you know, I don't like to get political either, but I do have to say that Trump recently, uh, you know, did a couple airstrikes on Syria, which we know heightened tensions with Russia. And uh, I'm wondering if we could see a Top Gun 2 come out of this, where, you know, they said that there has been incidents with U.S. planes and Russian planes. And, you know, Tom Cruise, famous in that movie for riding his bike, which, by the way, you can see if you look at stills of him, uh, movie stills, you can see the blue tie downs holding the bike to the trailer. It's one of the greatest uh screw-ups in tv history or in movie history but uh i'm thinking we see we see a navy guy on a bike in a movie soon doing an inverted dive with a mig what's your take on that well uh what's my take on seeing russian uh, a russian version of (laughs) no top gun no 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 seeing a a a, a f-16 tomcat in an inverted dive with the Russian MiG again on the big screen. Now that we're possibly going to be uh, having a, you know, another tense aerial standoff with Russia. Well, it's classified. I could tell you, but you know, there's been so many things tonight that you can do, but you won't. Uh, so, you, well, that one was a line from Top Gun. I could tell oh. you, <laughs> but then I'd have to kill you. Oh. Oh, I get it. I get it. I see what you're saying. So, yeah. So, I'm just thinking, you know, Top Gun 2, we see another uh, squid on a bike. I don't know if they call the Navy Airmen squids, but um, I do. Just because he was riding around without protective gear on. You call me a squid. When you call, you say, hey, squid there. (laughs) I do. I don't call you Rex or Panther. I call you squid. (laughs) Well, that was it, Rex. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us on this show. Is there uh, anybody you'd like to plug? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm... any companies you'd like to mention commercially? <laughs> oh, in that case, uh, well, there's this, there's a place. If if anybody out there is listening and you're in the La Mesa area, there's, and I am not affiliated with this place at all. Is this in uh, San Diego? Uh, and now, and now I'm having a brain fart. Can't even think of the name of the place. But there's a that's place you over. That's good. When there's a place that's so good you can't even remember even being there, that's a good place. And this will prove. I mean, that I'm not affiliated. It's a place. It's a it's a Italian joint that's right next to Baskin Robbins in La Mesa, California. All right, everybody, that's our show. Thank you for listening along this far. Uh, I'd like to apologize to the following people. Narnia. Millennials. The Dark Side. Kawasaki H2. The Tomahawk V10. Video games. Benjamin Bray. Double Mint Gum. The unknown place in La Mesa that can never be known. Bry Viffer in Cal City. Daily Bikers. And Dan at dailybikers.com. Our guest Rex Panther. And most of all, you 
for playing along and listening to today's episode. If you'd like to subscribe after hearing this, uh, please do so in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And leave us a review if you could. That'd be awesome. Check us out on the web, creative-writing.com or creative-writing.tumblr.com or on the Facebooks at Creative Writing Podcast. I believe we're the same on Tumblr, Creative Writing, I mean, uh, Instagram, Creative Writing Podcast. And uh, uh, Twitter is creative underscore writer. Keep your hippie kind of dippy and your dippy kind of do. Yeah, I'm plugging those guys because the cheese on the top of everything pizza's done we're about to throw it in the oven you know what cover it with fucking cheese and that's what they do there raviolis are awesome too 